right, I'm going to um, invite up um, one of our awesome youth, uh, Lily Burke. She's going to do our reading for us this morning. So if you just want to stand out of respect for the word, that'd be fantastic. And Lily's going to read to you. Jesus teaches about the vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As my Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. Thanks, Lily. Lord, we just give you thanks for your beautiful word. Uh, we pray that it would uh, minister to us this morning. We pray we would just have open and soft hearts to receive from you this morning, Jesus. Amen. All right, if you want to take a seat. Didn't she do a good job? That, that's not easy to get up in front of a group of people like that. And so I just, we, we, we're doing that. We're going to get some of the youth to come up and, and share and stuff. And I think it's just a great way to get comfortable, you know, sharing the word of God in front of um, church families. And that's what families are about. So that, that's just beautiful. Thank you, Lily. You did such a great job. And Josh last week as well. Where he is? Yeah, there he is. He's wanting all the attention on him. We'll get the light over here. Awesome. Uh one thing I noticed about the Bible, and it's probably because it's based in uh, agricultural kind of society, is that it seems to have a lot of um, references and stories that are all um, based around farming and gardening in particular sort of thing. And I, I struggle with this um, sometimes to relate to this because I'm not much of a gardener. My version of gardening is something like this. I like to, I, 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 I get very jealous of those like, people like in England who've got like no sections. And I, like, I've even thought about like, could we just concrete the back of our section? Like the kids would be all like falling over, oh, my knee. And I'd be like, yes, but no weeds. Yes, but I don't have to have a lawnmower. Like my version of gardening usually involves yeah, a lot of roundup and, and, and keeping it to the bare minimum. I, I'm not a gardener and I'm apologies to anyone who is here because I, I mean, I appreciate gardens when I go to them, but I just don't want to do the work, I'm sorry. That's just my heart there. But it seems to be, in, in, the, in the Bible, like I said, there seems to be a lot of these kind of gardening metaphors, and uh, this one in John 15 is, 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 is probably one of the, the great ones, really, of, of just of this picture of the vineyard, of Jesus being the true vine, God is the gardener, and we are the branches. It's actually quite a simple word picture that Jesus is using here, but it's actually a very profound and meaningful picture for our lives, and that's what I want to talk about today. Um, but first of all, I just want to kind of talk about this. Has anyone here had an experience where your phone is, is, is down to 1%? Yeah. 
or 2%, and you've got that really urgent phone call coming through that you need to receive, or you've got to make that urgent phone call, or you're waiting on that message or email that you've got to get out, and, and, you're, and you're scrambling around the house looking for one of those charges, and you're like, where is it? And the kids have taken it or something, and you're like, where is that cord? And then you finally plug it in, and it's like, you watch that little screen, and it's like, yeah. And if you've got one of those fast charges, it's like, zoom. But if it's like one of those really crappy ones from the $2 shop, it's like real slow and it's like, it's like at 2%, you're like, oh, there's not going to be enough for a phone call. Come on, come on, come on, come on. But the point I'm sort of making here is when we're doing that is, is that we're, we're trying to connect to a source, a power source. So we've got our devices, which use a phenomenal amount of, of power. Like if you compare them to the old, um, the old sort of basic dumb phones that used to just do phone calls and text messages, I think I used to have like a Nokia you could leave for like a week before you had to charge it. It was like really good. Probably because no one rang me or texted me, but that, that, it was basically like just did, had an awesome charge on it and I didn't have to use it all the time. But you know, with my iPhone and stuff, it's like every day, like throughout the day, I'm having to plug that thing in. And same with iPads and things. So we're, we're constantly needing to look for that source of, of power and connection. And that's the, the very idea, that's the big key takeaway I want you guys to have today as we talk into this, is, you know, where are you getting your power from? Like, where are you connected to? Because this is the whole thrust of this John 15 passage, is that Jesus is, is to saying that he is the power source. He is the life force. He is the person that we need to be connected to. But I think, and I'll be guilty of this as the next person, we get ourselves connected to a lot of different power sources, right? And a lot of inferior ones, probably the ones that have got the, the crappy charges or something. And, and, it's, and we feel the effects of that in our lives, don't we? Restlessness, anxiety, tiredness, depression, addictions. As we're plugging ourselves into the wrong things that are not giving us life. They initially give us some life, some of these things we get into, but they don't give us that true, deep charge, that true source of life that only comes in God. So where are you going for your source of life? You know, what do you recharge on? Is it Netflix, coffee, incessant sport watching, KFC or obscure World War II war docos? Oh, that's just my vices. Fill in the blank. You know, like, what is the thing that you go to that you're looking for life? You're looking for sustenance and nourishment and flourishing. Maybe, maybe you're getting into exercise. Maybe you're getting into good eating. Maybe into mindfulness. Maybe into you know trying to turn off your phone a bit more and reading and stuff. Like, where are you looking for those sources of life? Maybe it's holidays. You know, people are like, oh man, that holiday's going to be so good. And when I go on that holiday, and when I'm on that beach, I'm going to feel amazing. And then they come back and they're at work and they're like, oh, I've forgotten all about that holiday. I don't feel recharged. You know, where are you going for your source of life this morning? And Jesus is, in this passage, is, is, is like I said, is reminding us and his, and his students, his disciples, where the true source of life is. Just to give a, a bit of context here, it's, um, this is the last I am statement from John's Gospel. And it's the scene, I'll just set the scene, he, he, it's Jesus with his students. It's the, the night before he's about to go to the cross. So what he's saying to them and pouring into them as his students is very, very important. Because this is like his last will and testament. He's like saying, this is what is important, guys. I want you to get this on board. I want you to get this deep into your hearts. 
because I've got to go to the cross. And they still don't understand what that all means. They still don't understand the resurrection, all that side of things. That all gets sorted out in the wash-up afterwards. But in this moment, Jesus is like, man, I've got to pour into you guys what matters, what is important in life. And at the end of that scene at the Last Supper, they actually get up and go. And they start walking towards the, the Garden of Gethsemane. And they go through this place called the Kidron Valley. And probably because it's the, as an agricultural society and he's out walking and things, I imagine there must have been some vineyards around. At least some olive trees or something. And he must have looked at this vineyard and he, he proclaims to his students as they're walking alongside with him, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And what's really interesting about that is that he is speaking to a people who understood that imagery. Because Israel, what we read about in the Old Testament, the people of God, that was one of the, the images or the symbols of what they were meant to be. They were meant to be this picture of flourishing. They were meant to be a vineyard with these beautiful grapes, with this picture of flourishing for all the world around them. Like, you know, with Abraham, blessed to be a blessing. And that was meant to be like nourishment and sustenance for the whole world around them. But they, if you've read the Old Testament, they kind of fail at that, right? And actually, the prophet Jeremiah actually says about them, when he's talking about them being a, describing them as a, as a vineyard, he actually says, man, your grapes are gross. The, 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 the fruit that's come from you is, is not good. It's sour. It's not the beautiful wine or fruit that God wants for the world. And so what Jesus is doing in here in this moment is he's reorientating that big picture of Israel and he's saying, no, actually, I am the vineyard. I am the true vine. I embody life and fullness and refreshment and sustenance, flourishing. It all centers on me. It's not found in a people or in a nation anymore. It's in me, Jesus. And so he's, so for his students, they would have been like, they get the kind of imagery and the understanding, but they would have been like flawed in the sense that, whoa, it's all, it's all about Jesus. It's not about our nation or about who we are as a people. It's actually about Jesus first. He's getting us to orientate on him. And it's the same for us today. You know, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, by implication, it means that there's other vines out there, isn't there? He didn't say, I am a vine. He said, I am the true vine. So there must be false vines or vines that are not healthy. And like I talked about before, like sources of power that don't actually nourish us and satisfy us. Jesus is like saying, get your eyes off those things and come back to me. I am the true vine. I am the true place where you'll find life and refreshment. Where your longer, deepest longings will be satisfied. And then he says uh, throughout this, he says this interesting thing, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. These are really challenging words from Jesus. He even says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I find that, I, I love, this is probably my, I know I always say this stuff, this is my favorite passage, John 15. It is, I, I, hand on heart, this is the favorite one. Um, but it's, 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 it's beautiful, but it's challenging, right? It, it is, eh? Like, it's like, beautiful picture of life found in God, but challenging in the sense that like only life is found in Him. 
And that I realize when I read this, oh, man, I get myself tangled up in so many things. I get myself distracted by so many things. And I know that I'm not remaining in him because that's where life is found. And Jesus says this great claim, yeah, yeah, you cannot bear fruit. You will not grow as a person outside of him. Actually, in order to grow with Jesus, <coughs> as you open up your life, you'll actually find that God starts to get to work on you. And uh, that's that lovely picture there that Jesus gave, that, that my father is the gardener. And what does the gardener do? He goes, he tends to the vineyard. He looks after it. He prunes things away. And uh, I don't know about you, but man, that, that word pruning sounds horrible. I don't, I don't like that. I don't want God to prune my life. It sounds very negative. But if you've probably heard a lot of sermons on John 15 and you have a rudimentary understanding of gardening like I do, you, actually it's very healthy to prune away things because for, in order for something to grow well you have to get the, the disease or the broken branches out of the way you have to create space for sunlight and, and help the you know the plant or whatever you're growing to get you know that right shape and to grow to flourish and so what initially can seem like a really um, painful process as something sort of knocked back actually leads to more fruitfulness um, but that's the part that I think we, we really struggle with because that's the part where we open ourselves up to God and as the gardener, he comes in and he starts touching on stuff in our, our lives and we're like, ooh, oh, I want to hold on to that. And he's like, Nick, that, un that unforgiveness, you need, to, you need to do something about that. You need to say something to that person. Oh, nah, I don't want to hold on to that one. I like, I like all the revenge fantasies. No, no. <laughs> okay, all right, you know. You know, you're struggling in that area. Why don't you go and confess that to someone? Why don't you talk to someone? Oh, no, I just want to keep this, I want to keep this secret. I, I'll just deal with this on my own. And God's like, no, go share that thing. Go get help for your brothers and sisters. Get prayer, confess to me. Like, God starts working on us, eh? And he starts, but he does it so gently. I think that's the thing I really want to say this morning. Is like, he is, you know, the, one of the names for Jesus is the good physician. Like, he's a good doctor. So he's a kind doctor, he's gentle, and even though it feels like sometimes when you hug the cactus, it's, it's painful when you look at all your past and everything that's going on within you, that Jesus is actually very gentle. And he always goes at the pace that we, we want to go. Hey? He'll never force us to do things, he always invites, it's always invitation, like, look, is this going on in your life? What about that? And he's like, come on, go share. And that's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Because conviction is like the Holy Spirit kind of just putting a spotlight on something in your life and saying, what about that? But condemnation is when we feel terrible about that, when we, we beat ourselves up and we're like, oh, I've failed terribly in that area. And God's like, no, no, that area needs healing. So bring it into the light. I'm going I'm to work on that area. And, he's, and I just love that picture of God the Father as the gardener. So, so earthy, so humble, just like working on our lives and shaping and tainting those areas. The stuff is not easy, but deep change and growth never is. We have to let God do the deep work of reshaping our lives from the deformation of this world. I think that's something we, we really forget is we've actually been caught up in a lot of the divines of the world. We've been deformed by the things that we have done and stuff that's been done to us and just the stuff we daily experience that we're actually deformed by the world and we need God and his gentleness and kindness to come and just form and shape us and make him more like his son. 
just going to try and do some gardening nerding out here, so please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, one thing I found really interesting was this thing, uh, it's called a tree sucker, and I, I thought that was really interesting that that was called that. It's this little bit that's growing out the side here that you see on trees and on vines. A tree sucker is a new growth that occurs at the base of the tree. This new growth can make a tree appear to be more bush-like and unkempt. More important, more important, and this is the important part, listen to this, this growth steals energy from other areas of the tree. So, you know, you may love Jesus, you may have a, you know, you want his kingdom and things, but you've got stuff in your life that's like these little tree suckers that's just sapping energy from, from all the goodness that God's giving you. And I, I feel like, you know, when God's talking about that pruning process, it's like, what is the tree sucker that's in your life? What is the things that are absorbing your time and attention that's taking you away from true life and true flourishing? And it could even be a good thing, right? Sometimes too much of a good thing is a bad thing, right? You know, it's okay to watch TV, but seven hours of Netflix binging, is that going to be good for your soul? And it's funny, like, you know, we can do that, eh? Like, we can binge, like, these TV shows and stuff, and people are like, yeah, cool, that's normal. Um, but if you said, oh, I'm going to have a seven-hour prayer meeting, people would be like, whoa, whoa, take it easy. <laughs> he's gone off the reservation. That, that, you know, he's got a bit crazy. Seven hours, just calm down, you know? Like, but we would easily binge seven hours watching some TV show over some weekend or something, like, as the thing flicks over to the next show. Yeah, that, that was definitely me with recently. Thankfully, I'm doing TV shows and movies for Lent, so I'm, I'm reading a lot of books at the moment, so that's good. But what is the thing that is, is, is taking away from that true life that you should be getting in God. It's stealing energy from, from your tree. Jesus says this in the uh, latter part of that, John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now the word that's used in Greek is this word called meno, which is, uh, in some translations you see abide. Um, it's not an English word we use a lot. But actually one of the kind of older English words that kind of it connects to is a word called abode. And abode is another word for sort of a home. So in a sense, it's like Jesus is saying, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now live in my love. You, know, you could loosely translate that at night, now live in my love. Like that's what God's calling to, make my love and my presence the place that you spend your life. And when I was reading that, I, I, I had this um, flashback to a Bear Grylls show I was watching years and years ago, and he was out in the desert, an Australian desert, and he's, I think he's drinking his urine or something like that, you know, <laughs> so he's, he's really thirsty, you know, and, uh, and he's, he's just parched, and he's just like, oh, oh. and then he finds this, like, it's a, this beautiful stream, like, um, and, and, and it's just great to watch, because he just hops into this water and kind of wallows around in it, like, just, oh, this is so good, he's like, you know, just having, it's like the, the best thing ever, and when I thought about that picture of that now remain in my love, I'm like, oh, man, I need that every day, like that picture of wallowing in God's love and his goodness and his refreshment, because we're in a desert, secular desert of, of all sorts of things, and we need God's love at every moment in our workplaces, at our homes, everywhere, we need to that, that jump into that stream and just let his presence just wash over us and fill us with his love, and, and it, was just, it was just such a beautiful picture, and I was just like, oh man, that's, that's the source of life that I need every day, and we need. But I guess as I, as I sort of bring this into land this morning, how do we remain connected to Jesus as our source of power in life? Because you're probably like, if you've been in church for a number of years, you're probably like, yeah, 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 Nick, yeah, yeah. 
got to get connected to Jesus, got to stay in his love. Yep, I got that, you know. I've heard the sermon before, but how do you actually do it? How do you actually do it? Like, how does the rubber hit the road? Like, how do you actually do this day in, day out, so that you're not having that kind of constant experience, which I seem to find in churches, that people have an experience of God and then drift for, like, weeks, sometimes months, even years, and then they have another experience of God, but then they drift again, and they're like, and they get frustrated because they're like, I want to have an experience with God every day. And you can. It's just not going to always be a mountaintop experience. But you need to build like a well of God's experience in your life so you can have both hands. Because the ultimate aim is this. this is, and I think this is what Paul, the Apostle Paul is talking about in Galatians 5, 25. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, oh, sorry, forbearance. I've got the ESV here. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says later on, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So Paul has that same idea from Jesus that it's like about if you're with God, you're walking in step with the Spirit daily, having that experience, remaining in His love, then you're going to start seeing that fruit in your life. Like people are going to be able to say that about you. Oh, you know, Nick. He's a more loving person. He's a joyful person. He's a person of peace. He's a patient person with his kids. He's my son didn't laugh. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the this is what his personality. This is what he is like because God has done this in his life, and you could say that about yourself. Um, but this stuff doesn't doesn't happen overnight. Remember Rachel Hunter? I watched the ad the other day. I, I was even, I, I should have played it this morning. But, you know, she, she, she talks in this ad about Pantene. And she says, you know, it won't happen overnight, but it, thank you. And it's a great prophetic word from Rachel Hunter. <laughs> because that's what the life in the spirit and with Jesus is like. You don't see the change sort of day by day, do you? It's, it's sort of incremental as God slowly works on your heart and starts making you more loving, more joyful, more peaceful. You see more self-control in your life. And sometimes it's kind of a little bit like this, isn't it? Like it's not a linear line going like that to sainthood or something. It's you have your bad moments, you have your, your fall over thing. But you want to be like the idea that you're actually tracking towards growing in God, even though you're not going like this. And I, it's quite interesting in the, if you look at sometimes like the, if you look at the shares or like the share market, uh, if you look in just a few um, days or months, it's incredibly volatile. It's like this. But if you look at like the share market over with certain shares or over the, like the index or something over a number of years, you'll see that it looks like this big long line going like that. But if you just looked at it daily, you'd be like, oh man, this person, this is all over the show. And I think that's sometimes a picture of our lives. Like we, we look like we're all over the show, but if we, we're remaining in his love and we're starting to let the Holy Spirit do this in us, we're going to start doing that that you're actually going to start trajectory. And like five, ten years from now, you're going to be like, whoa, look at the change in my life. I've grown. I'm not just a, a 42-year-old Christian 42 times over. I'm actually, you know, maybe five or ten years down the track in, the, in my faith with the Lord. I've actually grown. Look at the growth. And that's the question I guess I have for you this morning. You know, are, are you growing or drifting away from God? Because I feel 
like we're never standing still when it comes to spiritual things. Either we're growing and becoming more like Jesus, or we're drifting away from God. And this is not a salvation issue. Like, you're still saved, if you know, if you've invited Jesus into your heart and you're in relationship with him, you're still saved. But you're probably not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, I bet. And so this is what's happening. There's no kind of neutral ground here. We're either going deeper into God or we're sort of drifting away. We have to go deeper into him. And so we need to get some support. Grapes can actually grow on the ground. They don't actually need um, any support structures, but they don't grow very well on the ground. They just go, you know, and you wouldn't get very good grapes or wine out of those grapes. So what people have done throughout the centuries is they've actually used support mechanisms to help those grapes to grow. And so the ancient way was through trellises, and now we've got wires and these sorts of things. But basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to help that vi- that vine to grow up so that it can get as much sun and much li- you know, light and nutrients and water and all that sort of stuff so that it can flourish, so it can grow. But it needs a support mechanism to help it grow. For a vine to grow well, it needs a trellis, otherwise it will bear a fraction of the fruit that is capable of and it's, then it's vulnerable to wild animals or disease. So how do we, how do, we do that? Like, how do we actually do that, like I said before? I want to suggest a few things. Um, you'll see a picture there of, of us, obviously. Um, church. What we're doing here on Sundays is actually really important. Like, this is a spiritual practice, and uh, uh, we're not going to get all legalistic about it. No one's taking a, a role check or anything if you're not here. Um, but I'd encourage you, if you're not sick or you're not away, um, you know, try and make a practice with, with you and your family, if you've got kids, to come to church. I remember when I was in... Uh, I had like little kids in, in that kind of creche age, and I used to think, why am I coming to church? Like I'm just standing out in the creche and just talking to a few people. But then I had that, that revelation, like I actually, I'm building a practice for my family that church matters, that this is what we do, that we gather with the people of God regularly to be encouraged and to encourage others. Like that's why we do this on Sunday. We come to encourage each other as the people of God, take communion together, worship, hear the word of God get prayer. I'd also encourage you to build a devotional life. Um, and, and however you do that, that's, that's up, you know, up to you as well. Because you know, we're all unique snowflakes. I, I get that. You know, we're all distinct and got our own personalities and ways we do things. Um, so I'm not going to tell you this is the way you have to do it. Um, but what we do want to do is kind of provide you with resources and ways to do things so that you actually do do it. So you might be a person who loves being out in nature. You might just love getting out there for a walk and being with God in that way. You might find it's easier for you when you're driving to work on your morning commute, turn the radio off and you're like, I'm just going to have some time in silence and God or speak in tongues. Um, you might be someone who um, is, is, is a real morning person. You know, you love getting up at like 6 a.m. or something. Not me, but I, I try. And you might just need to set aside time in the morning to be with God simply be in his presence you might love to write your thoughts some people love journaling as, as a way to communicate with God and there's just so many different um, apps and things that you can get into with that you know technology can be a terrible thing at times as far as our attention but there's actually a wealth of resources out there now that are all free um, I've used um, pretty much most of these ones here they're all fantastic there's the Lectio one it has like a morning and an evening um, rhythm that you can listen to. You can just lie in bed listening to it while you go to sleep. It's beautiful. It's about 10 minutes long. 
Uh, there's the one-minute pause from John Eldridge. Do you remember him, Wild at Heart? That guy, remember that book? Well, he's made this great app called One Minute Pause, and that's got like a variety of times on there, not just one minute. And that, that's a great one to listen to. Um, there's the Pray As You Go app. That's fantastic as well, similar to Lectio. Um, there's the Bible in a Year from Nicky Gumbel. If you want to work your way through the Bible, you, you can listen to it. So you don't even have to, you know, if, you, if you're not somebody who likes to write or read. Um, you've got Pray Scripture. Um, again, that's from the Bible Project. Again, another way to go through Scripture throughout the years. And I'm sure you guys probably have many more. Um, there are just a wealth of resources out there that we can use. But what I encourage you is, is, is don't drift. Like, pick a rhythm and stick to it and keep it simple, something that you can keep up daily, something you could keep up when you're at the campsite or when, when everything goes chaos in your family that you're like, oh, this is my rhythm. This is what I stick to every day. And, and, and remember that get, used, you know, get, get, get comfortable with boredom. Um, I think we, we always get so, like, we've got to have these good feelings all the time. Well, life's not all about good feelings. It's actually about, like, devotion to God. And sometimes when you get up in the morning, I, I say this to this group I meet with on Thursday, these guys, devotional guys, so sometimes it feels like you're stacking firewood. Like, it's like, <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, this is dry. Wow, this is boring. Like, oh, you know, are you even there, God? Like, uh, and especially at, like, five or six in the morning, I'm kind of, like, blur- like trying to, you know, with my coffee, kind of trying to find my... Yeah, it's it's not good anyway, uh, and it's like. But I said to these guys, it's like you know you, you know, you can't have a fire unless you have firewood. <laughs> you need to stack that firewood, and sometimes the fire comes down. And I have experiences of God that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't carved out that time to be with God. And so it's about picking a rhythm and sticking to it, guys, um, and not beating ourselves up, but just like get back on that wagon, get back on that wagon. If you've been drifting for weeks or months or years, get back on that wagon. There's grace for you. And then there's also, I just want to finish with this point. We want to start doing this as, as a community. An interesting point in John 15 is he, he doesn't say, and you are the branch. He said, you are the branches. We're, we're part of an interconnected community you know, of, of a vineyard, of the vine. We are all the branches, and we all bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And so as a community, we want to grow and go deeper with God and be shaped by him. And so what we're doing is we're providing um, resources that people can use in, in their groups because we really want the focus of our groups to be around discipleship and about growing with God. Um, I, home groups are fantastic and we, and we love them and we want to keep pushing into those. But we want the focus at those groups to be about growing in God not just hanging out, that's, a, that's, a, that's great too, like community is important, but we want to be able to go, as a community, we have grown, like we're a deep church because we've gone deep into these things, and so um, we've talked about a lot of the stuff, we've got the practicing the way material, um, we've got two of the practices out, the prayer practice and the Sabbath practice, um, there's the, the great stuff, the Lectio course, that's to help you with um, hearing from God through scripture, um, this is a be still is a great um, course where you can just help. How do you start doing a devotional life? Because that's that's often the question people have. Like, how do I actually start doing this stuff? I don't know how to start. And then there's obviously the eight week prayer uh, prayer course through um, the uh, great guys at 24/7. So there's a wealth of resources. So what we're trying to do is create a, like a kitty of, of stuff that people in their groups can take a hold of and use, so they can build deep lives in God and be transformed by God. And I've just, uh, just to add to that, I'm um, also adding, a, um, uh, I'm going to 
on Sunday nights from the 12th of March, I'm going to start doing the prayer practice here for four sessions to the 2nd of April from 7pm. So I realise um, not all of us can make it to home groups and things like that. So we're trying to create spaces for everyone to engage in these resources and grow in God. And so that, you know, there's lots of spaces in our church. So we've got a couple of groups going now. We're trying to get a couple more going in the home groups. On Thursday mornings, I have a group, Upper Click, which is just basically guys who want to go deeper in their devotional life. And so they're meeting every week to encourage each other and be accountable to each other. How did it go this week? And being honest, like, how did it actually go? <laughs> oh, it was a bad week. Okay, let's encourage you. Yeah, come back next week. Get on the wagon. To stop that drift, that seems to just naturally happen. Um, in the summertime, I was, I was at the beach and... Uh, uh, you know, the kids are in the water and, and they, you had the flag, you know, swim between the flags. And I was trying to tell the kids to swim between the flags and I'm standing on the beach. And I didn't really want to go into the water and get wet, but I was sort of standing there. But they keep drifting and they keep going down the beach, just down at New Brighton and Christchurch. And I had to keep like going up to them and say, get out of the water, drift back. And they dragged them down the beach to where the flags were. But they were just having sort of a wild time enjoying themselves. They weren't aware of the fact that they were drifting, like they were getting pulled down the beach. And I think spiritually that happens to us all the time. We're just getting pulled by that drift of the world, and we don't even realize it. And it's like we need others to be like, hey, hey, get out of the water. Get back to the, between the yellow flags. This is where life is. You know, this is where you're going to find um, protection and blessing here. So it's like, it's that same idea, like of being in community together to help each other with that and to encourage each other. Because some days we actually kind of need to borrow each other's faith. Like, some days you're, you're struggling with doubt. Some days you're like, man, what is, this, is this all worth it? All these sort of things that are going through your mind. Oh, man, I, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this situation. You need that other person there who can encourage you, who can bless you, who can say, I've been there. God is good. Let me pray for you. Let me walk with you through this. Yeah, so that's, um, that is really, I guess, the heart of, of, of where we're trying to land as a church. And that is... is I guess what, you know, I, I feel like God is saying that, is, you, know, you know, like he said all the time back then, you know, I am the true vine, I am the true source of life, come to me. But I think sometimes we've struggled as individuals in the West to like, how the heck do you do that? And so as a church, we want to really help each other to equip you and to resource you so that you can actually be in Jesus every day, that you can remain in him, remain in his love and let him transform you. Let us make us into that beautiful community. Amen? All right, why don't we stand?